Hello and welcome to Meet Our Makers, an artist interview podcast produced in association with Beats Per Minute. I'm your host, Jeremy J. Fissette. On this episode, we get to meet Youth Lagoon, otherwise known as Trevor Powers. Trevor released three albums as Youth Lagoon in the early 2010s to pretty generous acclaim, and then he abandoned the moniker around 2015. He released a couple albums under his own name, but now he is back with his fourth Youth Lagoon record, Heaven is a Junkyard. In this chat, Trevor and I discuss quite a lot about the story behind this new record, what compelled him to drop the Youth Lagoon moniker in the first place and then now to bring it back, as well as the pretty grave health scare that almost completely derailed everything. We get into some of the troubling, but also the really beautiful things and the misconceptions of his beloved home state of Idaho. We talk about religion and spirituality, how those things influence his life and his work, and a little bit about how, especially in light of recent and current events, religion and legislation have sort of been usurped by bigotry and hubris. It's a pretty far-ranging talk, but Trevor spoke to me with such candor and warmth and humor and insight, and I think you'll really appreciate it. I think you'll enjoy this talk. And just before we get into it, I would like to mention again that Meet Our Makers is now on Patreon. You can head to patreon.com slash meetourmakers if you feel generous. I urge you to consider donating, becoming a patron today for some little perks and also just to support this show that I love doing and that I hope you love listening to. So thank you for listening. Please enjoy. This is me meeting Youth Lagoon. Good. Where, where are you based? I'm in Connecticut. Okay, gotcha. Are you uh, Was, you beaming in from Idaho? Yep, yep. I'm <laughs> I'm in Idaho right now. It's so fucking cold. It's been it? so <laughs> yeah. It's been so freezing, and it's it's funny too because it's like the weather the weather can't make up its mind because it's been it's been so it's been so up and down where it feels it, it's almost blizzard esque, mm. and then and then it might be like that for two days. And then for three days, it'll be like in the fifties and then drops back down. So that's the main thing is I can deal with, I can deal with the cold if it's, if it's, if it's full on and you know what to expect, but when it's so up and down, that's what makes it, it it toys with you a bit. Yeah. I mean, that's how it's been here too. Connecticut's sort of known for being a little all over the place with its weather. Uh, Um, Yeah. Yeah. We've had a warm winter, but it's been chilly these past few days. Probably not like Idaho, but it's been chilly these past few days. Is it kind of nice though for you to have all the different seasons? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do like I do like the seasons. <laughs> well, because so many people, like a lot of a lot of my closest friends, um, you know, that live live many many different places, they, a lot of people don't get to experience seasons, and they don't really even know what it's like, you know, unless yeah. they go unless they go back to visit their families wherever their families are from for the holidays or something. They, it, the The concept of seasons is kind of lost. <laughs> Are you are are you guys missing any seasons? No, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We definitely experience the full extent of every season. Yeah, no. We we pretty much do too. I mean, it's it's only snowed here like twice this winter, 
which is really uh, so it really doesn't unusual. Really snow much? No, okay, I mean it, it, it no, it is unusual. More. Yeah, it usually snows more. I mean, maybe we don't get blizzards that often, I guess. But yeah, it usually snows more. And I like I don't mind the snow, so I'm kind of I don't know. I'm kind of missing it a little bit. Yeah, I don't mind the snow either. Up until about I I kind of check out of the snow after like mid January, then I'm over <laughs> it. Yeah, you're like bring on the flowers, please. Yeah, please. Ah, uh, well, I'm. Hopefully, hopefully you're warm wherever you are right now. I'm warm. I'm very okay. I'm cozy. <laughs> okay, good. As as am I. Uh, so thank you, Trevor, for joining me today to chat about your new record. Absolutely. Thank you for chatting. Yeah, I mean it's a little early. I I realize I was I was trying to set up the the chat, and then I was like, yeah, we can do next week, and then I'm like, when does the album? Oh, it doesn't come out till June. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, <laughs> which it's, is weird. It's, it's good for me. And also, it's also a funny thing too, because I, I, I'm in that headspace where like when I, when I'm, when I'm making music, music exists in this bubble of it's all the stuff that I don't know how to talk about. So Mm -hmm. it's all, it's all this, this mental processing or, or spiritual processing, these things that happen within this zone that it feels like it can only exist within the music. So then the hardest part is when you capture that and you have this thing that's, it feels like a living, breathing thing to then try to talk about what that thing is <laughs> in ways that are just words. That's, that's what makes it tricky. And especially, especially this, this part of the process, cause I haven't had any practice. So bear with me right. as I'm trying in real time to figure out how <laughs> to talk about the things that are untalkable. This is a good trial run. I mean, it's not i'm not rolling stone so <laughs> so well, i appreciate it though i mean i appreciate you trying we're gonna try we're gonna try today okay. to talk about the okay. untalkable <laughs> cool deal so yeah you mentioned you haven't had practice i mean you haven't had a record of any sort come out for almost three years i was i was trying to check my dates before this chat a few minutes ago um your last record is capricorn which came out back in 2020 2020 yeah. um that this new one heaven is a junkyard is coming out june 9th on fat possum and yeah it's been a minute so i mean how are you feeling now that you're kind of coming back to it i feel really good and i feel i i i just i it's 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 hard to put my finger on all the different ways that i have morphed into a new person over the last like it, it, since i killed off youth lagoon in 2000 i think i announced announced it in 2015 I, maybe the last show was like early early 2016 but but for the most part it was it was pretty dead to me starting in 2015 and since since that all went down i i had just i had just hit this point where i felt so I felt so stuck or I felt, I felt like there were all these, there were all these expectations of, it was kind of like a, it was like a dance monkey dance scenario where where there's this, there's this thing that's like people, people expect, you know, you can only be this one thing. And so it felt like I was constantly driving with, you know, there was like a certain, certain lanes on the road that I had to stay in and it felt so suffocating. And I, and I would still swerve all, all over the road, but it was kind of like, no, you can't do that. You can't do Mm -hmm. that. And, and a lot of that was, I think a lot of that was actually something that I had put on my, put on myself and, and, and there was pressure from the industry. There was pressure from, 
from you know it's it's hard to tell like how much of it is how much of it is make believe or exists in my head and how much of it was real but but I definitely felt a lot of suffocation and so I I hit this point where I was like I just can't continue to grow through this name because of all these roadblocks I had set up for really for myself and so I killed it off and I started exploring all these different oh my brother my brother-in-law just pulled up <laughs> uh, I might have to tell him that I can't see the door <laughs> sorry I'll just maybe I'll just scoot I'll just scoot to the back room and he won't see me but anyways sorry about that um no, yeah I started experiencing all these different changes within myself where it was it felt it felt almost like going to college where i was i was able to explore all this new territory mm. relatively risk free where it was you know it's just it was under my own name but it was kind of like no one really knew that it existed it took a lot of the pressure off of even though even though it's just the difference between two words because youth lagoon is just my thing it's my baby it's just a it's just another vehicle to say things it was like mm -hmm. losing those two words and going going under my own name maybe it was also the nature of just having to be my name i just felt like i i had freedom to explore i had the sandbox totally open to do whatever the fuck i want to do and and it was and it was that that was the beginning of when i really started to to unlock these new parts of my brain. And as that kept going, you know, I had, I had Mulberry violence that I mm -hmm. had recorded in 2000. I think that came out in 2018. And that was a huge growing experience because that was that, that whole, that whole album felt very, it felt, it felt very much so, in the zone of the whole thing was uncomfortable. The whole thing was like, I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. It felt like I was just feeling around in the dark, which is a yeah. lot of my process anyways, but it was totally pitch black because it was like completely unknown territory. Mm -hmm. And so that was a huge growing experience for me. And then Capricorn, which came out in 2020, that, that was something I had done that wasn't even, I had never even expected that to see the light of day because that yeah. was more of a personal it started off as just a personal project. And I had sent, I had sent some songs to fat possum and they were like, we need to release this. And that's when I, my whole, I, I had, since I had made that album under the, uh, under the idea of no one's going to hear it, it, it was made a certain way that I'm really thankful for because that, that was all the more. So like, I'll get, like no eyes are going to be on this. Like no ears are going to be on this. It's just for me. Yeah. And within that, I think that there's a lot of, I'm super proud of what that album is. Um, because yeah, like when it came out, it felt, it made me feel really naked because like I said, when I, when I was writing those songs, they weren't, they weren't intended for other people. And so I felt really vulnerable, but that was, that was a growing experience too, because it allowed me to, to learn all kinds of different ways, new ways to, to produce and new ways to, to like sample my own music and twist it on its head and, and rework things. And, and so fast forward to, to 2000 and, 
21, um, I just, I ended up going through all kinds of, I don't even know the, the weightiest way to say it, or if I should avoid saying it a weighty way, but it, it, it not to sound overly dramatic, but it, it was, the, it was the hardest thing I've ever been through in my entire life times, times a million. And I wasn't sure if I was even going to live. Um, and it was a really bad drug reaction. So I had this over the counter reaction to this, this medication and it turned my entire world upside down. Mm. And, and in that, in that process, it was the only place to turn was inside, you know, it was like, I could, I, no one understood what I was going through around me. And so it, it forced me to really get to know the, the deep dark corners of who I am as a person mm-hmm. and what my soul looks like. And yeah. And, and in, the, in, in all that, I, I hit this point where I had started, I had started using music as this way to, to get through this, this experience. And the first song that I had written for this record, which at the time, you know, I wasn't even thinking of, I wasn't thinking of anything as a record. It was more so just songs, songs, songs. And the first thing that really clicked into place was Idaho Alien. And when I had written that, I had sent it to, I had sent it to my manager and we had, we had started talking and I was like, this feels like, this feels like a Yusugun record. It feels, it doesn't feel like a Yusugun record in the sense of when I had killed off Yusugun, where that would have been then. Yeah. This to me feel, it feels like a new project, but it feels like if Yusugun was to like enter this other dimension, this upside down, uh, dark Americana R&B sort of dimension, like mm-hmm. this is what it would be. And that that was the beginning of all of this. So the youth, the the decision then to kind of return to this youth lagoon moniker came after you had already written Idaho Alien. Yeah. Yep. So that was already written, and and I was I so so my my whole thing too was I hit this point with myself where I I've seen many therapists through through the years and people who have you know, tried to help deal with, uh, give me tools for anxiety and tools for depression and all these, all these mental battles. And I had, I had talked to this one therapist. He was, a, he was actually a hypnotherapist, um, back a couple years ago. And he had asked me to, to name some things that I love about myself, some qualities that I love about myself. And I, and I couldn't think of anything and I just started tearing up. And that was yeah. a huge, that was a huge wake up call for me because, I I didn't know a way to actually love myself and accept myself and and with with Idaho Alien when I had when I had cracked that veil open and I was like this feels like some new dimension of youth again it feels like a new project but it feels like you know like this whole new gate has been opened up there was my my main my main reason for actually walking through that gate was it felt like the truest form of self love. It mm-hmm. felt like I can take this thing that I had put limitations on, and I can usher it into this this whole new realm of who I am now and where I'm where I'm heading, and that it really did feel like the truest sense of self love. 
Well, to use the analogy you mentioned earlier, it's kind of like you flew into college. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Came out it, the other it, side. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, just learning. It was just this constant state of learning and learning mm -hmm. and learning and, and growing and failing and and writing loads of shitty songs that will never see the light of day. And, <laughs> and that's, but that's my whole process. You know, I don't sure. ever, I don't like my, my main secret. And, and this has always been the case. My main secret is just, I, I sit down and I work enough to get, because I'm so full of terrible ideas and I, and I just work <laughs> enough to get all the bad ideas out mm -hmm. so that I can have the one good idea every like, you know, it could be every two months. It could be every four months. It could be every like one week, but you yeah. just don't know until you sit down and you work and work and work and work. And really over the last, like, even when, even when I was working on, even when I was working on Capricorn, there were still some of these ideas that were starting to swim around in my head that I was like, I was always working towards this bigger, this bigger thing. And I wasn't sure what the bigger thing was going to be. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it all, it all starts, you know, like if I have these ideas and I just write them down and I keep pursuing it and, and, um, yeah, just failing over and over and over again. And until you have the, the, the one thing that hits and then another thing that hits, and then you're like, okay, fuck, this is actually turning into something. Mm -hmm. So then now that you're coming back with this youth lagoon name back intact, even though it is a little bit different. Do you, do you feel any kind of like renewed pressure or do you actually not at all? I actually don't at all, which is, which is nuts because if you would have asked <laughs> me or if I, if you would have told me back in 2015, when I felt so suffocated by this thing that essentially it was me putting, putting, it was me putting a bag or a noose over, over my own head and neck, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it wasn't, it was just this, this aura of like, like I said, it was like a fictional noose. And if you would have told me back then that I would be, I would be doing what I'm doing now in terms of re reopening that gate. But then besides that, like, like fully, um, I don't know if I could get a, if I could get a snapshot of who I, who I am as a person now versus who I was then I, I just straight up wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to, to believe you because even my anxiety like like what used to be my that used to be like the biggest demon on my shoulder it was mm -hmm. always just crawling around my back even that since since the that whole drug reaction went down and i had to face i i had to face everything that scared me the most dead in the eyes it it was like there was there was freedom for the first time in my life where it's kind of like if you if you jump into an ice bath and that that feeling of when you get out of the ice bath mm -hmm. and you feel like death, you feel like you're actually <laughs> dying in that thing. But then when you get out, you're you you you're a new person and you're this new. You feel like you've been reborn, mm. and that's how this that's how this whole situation feels. So through meditation and through all this self work and self love, it's been this state of of really just conquering myself. And how long were you sort of down and out from this reaction? Well, I'm still healing. I'm, okay. I, it, it was really, really, really bad for the first, I would say like the first like nine months or so, mm. 10 months, it was really bad. Um, it, yeah, like six to eight months, it was like 
fucking hell. But then like nine, 10 months, it was starting to like, I could see, okay, this is this, like, I'm going to get out of this. This is going to be something that I, that I can, you know, like one day look back on and and have that holy shit moment. But yeah, I'm still, my body's still healing from it, but Mm -hmm. it's worlds apart from, from where it was. And, and also, you know, that the more, the more that I go to bed at night and I think tomorrow's a new day and mm-hmm. I'm going to wake up a little bit better. And I do that every single night. I meditate and I think I, tomorrow's going to be, I'm going to be just a little bit better. And that's, that's been the case every time. Mm. And well, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're doing better. Oh, thank you. Thank Obviously. you so much. Was there any part of you that like wanted to wait for this album because of that? Yeah, for sure. Cause I, I, at the time, at the time I was, when I, when I was doing a lot of these demos, I had to take so many breaks through Mm -hmm. the whole, through the whole process because I would be able to sing these little snippets. I might be able to sing like, like half of a verse or like maybe three lines. And I had to take a break because my voice was so, my voice was so toasted Mm -hmm. from this. Cause part of the whole reaction was I had this, it was this, it was like a geyser of acid coming up from my from my stomach. And mm. so doctors, doctors weren't sure what was going on. I had an endoscopy and then I had a colonoscopy to see like, you know, <laughs> of the other end and, and like no doctor had any idea what was happening. And so yeah. there were, there were, I had met with multiple specialists. I had an ER visit. I had, I mean, you name it. And, and so, so in all that, like my, my vocal cords for, for many, many months, they were, they got so bad that the only way I could communicate to people would be, I had a, like, if my brother, my older brother came to town from Seattle, for instance, we would go to the bookstore and we would just text. So mm-hmm. I would, he would, we'd be looking at books and I would just be texting him or I would be writing things down in my notes and holding up the holding up whatever I was typing out or I would yeah. have a notepad, you know, like, like mm-hmm. over the holidays too, I would have this notepad on, I remember Christmas of 2021, I had this notepad that I would take over to my parents' house and same with even, even when I had started doing, doing photos with my, my buddy, Tyler Williams, who's he's, he's, he's the one that directed the Idaho alien video. Right. Right. And even, even him and I were joking around the other day, because when him and I had, when we had first started driving around Idaho and taking photos and started our, our whole collaboration process, I, I could, I could barely talk. And so I had, I had this bottle of alkaline water that I would chug and then I would write down things or I would just, I would just whisper to him, like, I'm sorry, I can't talk this whole drive. Hmm. And so when I was working on the demos, there was a lot of that process where I would, I would be able to sing a little bit, like I might be able to do one line and I would do one line that night. And then the next morning I might be able to do another line. And so it was just chipping away, chipping away. So the whole time going into getting ready for actually recording it, I was like, how is, how, how the hell is this going to work? Yeah. But it did. It did. It Eventually. did work. Yeah. 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 So yeah. you mentioned, God. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Idaho Alien uh, as being sort of like this this moment of unlocking, you know, unlocking this record a little bit and kind of giving you the the keys to the rest of the album. Um, but, you know, but at this point for, you know, for what it's worth, today's March 9th. I have no idea what day this will come out because your album doesn't come out for three months. But yeah, 
you know, the only single out right now is Idaho Alien. And and I think people have been responding pretty well to it. Um, what would you say the song is sort of trying to communicate for you? Well, that's a tough question because I there's a lot going on in the song. Mm. There's a lot, there's a lot of different layers and, and some of it is pulling from, some of it is pulling from, from a story. It's it's definitely a storytelling kind of song. And, and I would say the whole album feels like that where there's stories going on with, with, um, that are based on, on friends or family or neighbors or, or, or whatever I'm immediately surrounded on. And then I, and then I kind of expand these stories and turn them into this, turn them into this other world that I'm in. So, Mm -hmm. so some of the lines could be there, they could be, you know, the most personal thing I've ever sung. And then the next line might be something that a character's singing. And so it's all this, this intermingling of, of fact and fiction Mm -hmm. and Idaho alien. That's no different because that like the chorus that the chorus of that song is, is incredibly personal because I, as I as I was at the peak of of everything going on health wise, I was taking a bath, and I was having, and I, I guess I'm a I'm a little nervous to say too too much because I don't want yeah. to change people's perception of the song, but it, but I was having a lot of I, ha- I was having battles with with not wanting to escape my body because my body felt like a prison mm-hmm. and it felt like this, it felt like this thing that I just, I just could not escape. And so I had all these feelings of like, just, just kind of wanting it to be over and wanting to end it. And, yeah. and I, and I never got, I never did, you know, like did anything that was even, you know, I, it was, didn't go much further than a thought, but I had that thought right. and it really, it really worked. It, it, it bothered me a lot. And it, and it wrecked me for a while because I'm like, I just don't, how do I get, how do I get to the point of loving my body and not seeing my body as a prison? And and I, and I knew that true healing wouldn't come until I was actually able to, to fully do that and fully, even though I was in pain to fully say to my body, I love you as you are. But to exercise some of those demons, that's where that chorus came from is, is, is talking about wanting to escape everything and, and wanting to just fade into this whole other frontier when mm-hmm. I was in the bathtub. So there's a mix of sort of hyper-personal with very fictionalized as well. Yeah, but, yeah, but, exactly. but all very kind of steeped, at least steeped in your sort of observations of, I guess, the people in the world around you. Is that yeah, fair to say? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's... It, it really, it really goes, it varies line by line. You know, yeah. like there might be some lines that are based on something that I saw in my neighborhood. And then there could be another line that's like a funny thing that my niece said, or, you know, it's, it's this patchwork quilt of all these things. But, but yeah, some of the lines are, are like you said, hyper, hyper, hyper personal to the point where I was even going into this, since this is, this is really the first, the first time of me trying to figure out how to mm. talk about this. I'm like, what do I want? Like with Idaho alien, what do I want to say about the chorus? But yeah, the honest to God truth is like, that's just how I fucking, that's just how I felt. Yeah. And you mentioned this sort of storyteller quality. I, I noticed that too, as I was listening to the record, it's certainly not, um, you know, specific to Idaho alien. That is kind of an album 
thing that's going on here. Um, and I was struck earlier, you said something about how there it was like this kind of version of Americana to you, like this sort of like, and to me, I kind of feel it's like this like haunted, like hopper painting. Yeah, like, you totally, know, 100%. Like, like it's like Nighthawks at the diner, but like in the middle of the desert and, you know, David Lynch is directing it and yes, yes, know? yes, all that. So, yeah. And there is that kind of like skewed version of Americana, but it's also not, it's not like it's total fiction. I mean, there's very recognizable characters here. I mean, were you, were you trying to kind of give a sort of accurate portrayal, even if it's the fictional characters, what did you feel a responsibility to give a fictional, I mean, a realistic portrayal of, of kind of what you're noticing? Oh yeah, 100%. And and mm. that was also even even playing with playing with the idea of fictional characters, a lot of what those characters are doing is coming from a personal place or right. a lot of what the characters are saying is coming from a personal place. So it's it's this constant it's this relationship between between trying to figure out this might be this might be a dark part of my soul or this might be a, a a part of my soul that is full of light and love and that balance between working with other characters like almost like playing a game of chess where where this whole thing is it's all there's a stra- there's a strategy to the storytelling and and even going song to song like th- this was the first this is the first record I've ever done that has been the whole track list has been mapped out from the beginning. So mm. once I started getting getting some of the pieces on the board, I I knew okay, I want this to go into this, and then I want this already to go into this, and then I had I had this whole overarching thing and feeling that I wanted to express. And yeah, it all it all comes from it all comes from truth. I'll say that like like right. I wasn't I wasn't setting out to make good songs i wasn't setting out to make a good record i was setting out to make a truthful record mm-hmm. and truthful songs and and i and i and i thought the goodness if i if i could do that the goodness is naturally going to inhabit that space yeah and you mentioned before too that you know a lot of this record was born out of that sort of rush or joy that you felt from from finishing idaho alien and feeling like that kind of world had been opened and yet i kind of feel like this is your darkest record at least your darkest youth lagoon record um, yeah in in, you know? in a lot of ways in a lot of ways it is and, it, and it's interesting though because it doesn't play like if you were to listen to it at surface right at some kind of surface value like someone had it on in the background and they're right. they're not paying attention to what is actually being said then people wouldn't know that. But if you're sitting down and you're you're in it and you're in, you're you're invested in the words, then absolutely. Yeah, I mean these are these are characters, whether it's you or otherwise, these are characters who are kind of going through it and like, you know, having some emotional turmoil. And there's, you know, there's a lot of references to kind of like sorrow and there's a lot of references to to drugs and there's a lot of references to to kind of regrets almost so yeah if if you pay attention there's there's a lot of darkness here yeah yeah for sure and and that's just how it that's just how it worked that's just how it started coming out because Mm -hmm. i i i liked the idea of so when i had when i had stumbled onto idaho alien and and that that whole 
that whole thing had a shape to it. And I could recognize that shape. That's when I had that moment of seeing so many different ways to take that and, and flip it on its head. And, and each song does have it. It is very individual, but, but there's a, there's a cohesiveness there's a glue that, that runs mm-hmm. throughout the entire record that makes all the tracks feel truly inseparable. And, and it, and it is, in in the truest sense of the word album it is definitely an album you know Mm -hmm. like you can listen to it song to song but the whole thing plays as a record do you think that will influence your performances of it yeah that's a good question i'm 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 just now at that point of trying to figure out how to do that i'm still i'm still gonna mix it up i don't i don't really want to yeah that's a good question I mean, you, don't, you don't have to play the record front to back. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think I don't think that's going to be the case. There's there's going to be there's going to be a, a mix of all kinds of different stuff. But I, yeah. I do think that I'll end up like, you know, a couple songs here, a couple songs there. Right, right. Uh, one of the singles that will probably be out by the time this comes up is The Sling, mm-hmm. um, which I've read in my notes that were given to me that this that you have sort of called this song like the core of the record. And I'm wondering why like what makes the sling sort of the core for you well it's tough because that was that was a song written right after idaho alien so so with idaho alien there that was the that was the moment that showed me the path like this Mm -hmm. is this is a path that i it put all the lights on that were previously you know that whole field was very very dark before so all the lights came on and then when i started walking down that path and then I came across, you know, the next thing was the sling. I think the reason that that feels like the core is that, well, first of all, that's where the album title comes from. True, true. So that's when, that's when all that came to be. A striking and, title, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I was really, when that popped into my head, I, I, I really had no doubts that that was it. And so I had, so with that being the song with the title, um, and also with that being the second song of that I had written in that in that shared space, that's when I knew without a doubt that I have an album. It was it was it was like I had an album, but then I just had to uncover the rest of I had to discover the rest of the fossils, but I knew the fossils were in the field. Mm-hmm. That's a good metaphor for it. See, you can talk about the untalkable. I try. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, one more song I want to touch on uh, specifically because it was one of my. It's been one of my favorites. Is uh, Mercury, um, uh-huh. which oh, in some ways is maybe like the, for lack of better words, like the biggest song on the record. It has sort of this like chorus that just kind of like blooms. Yeah. Um, and the line does heaven. I think it's does heaven glow like Mercury? Is that the line? Yeah, that's the line. So what was what's the story or the or the process behind this song? Because it does for me it's it stands out in, in in good ways. For me, it stands out from the album. Well, this this is so I say Idaho Alien was the first song that was written, and that's that is the truth in the sense of of giving the identity to what the album is. But Mercury had early versions mm. years ago. So I had actually gone out to I had I had, had some sessions with a buddy of mine out in Atlanta. Like it was shortly after Mulberry Violence had come out. So it was probably 
that came out in 2018. So these sessions were probably 2019. And I, and I had, I had it in a really rough form where I had a couple, I, I had the gist of the, I had the core of what the song could be, but we were trying to, we were trying to capture it in this way that was, I had these, it was mixed with these other songs that will never see the light of day. <laughs> and, and I think Mercury ended up kind of getting buried by those songs. Cause those, they, they're this, those songs just weren't very strong. And so I had, when I came back home after those sessions, I thought I had something with Mercury, but I, I also had, a bad taste, not, not a bad taste in my mouth, but I wasn't in love with the rest of the songs. And mm-hmm. so I was still, I was still very much so searching and fast forward to after I had started the whole process of this feels, you know, as song, song to song to song, this feels like it's turning into a record. That's when I had revisited the early version of Mercury and, and it hit me, there's something here and then started reworking that. Mm. But yeah, that, that, seed was planted years ago and it's funny because i i have so many demos on my computer and and on my voice memos and on old cassette tapes and i the reason i don't ever delete them is because of that exact situation you don't know when you're gonna listen to something that you had done years ago and then you'll be able to hear a new way and know what to do with it yeah i mean it's interesting too that you sort of put aside youth lagoon and you created the sketch anyway of mercury while youth lagoon was put aside dead and now, yeah. Uh, yeah now that you're you, you came back to it you were like wait that actually makes sense now maybe it didn't yeah. make sense then yeah yep that's it because because it didn't it didn't line up with like i said when i had done that song in that same set in that same session there were all these other songs that weren't, they just didn't have the right form or emotion or they just didn't feel true. And that one did, but at the time I couldn't really see it and I couldn't really, it didn't really make sense to me. Mm -hmm. And Mercury is only one of the, you know, I mentioned there's references to sort of sadness or, or or even a lot of sort of drug usage, but there is also a lot of references in this record to God and heaven and religion. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a big part of your life? And and how how does that end up influencing your work? Those those ideas, those themes. Well, God definitely is a big part of my life. Not religion. I I grew up I grew up religious, mm-hmm. and it was really. Um, very it's very very brain brainwashy and and a lot of it was that caused so much i think that's where a lot of the the lack of self-love throughout my entire life comes mm. from is being in those systems and being in those environments where you should think this way and you shouldn't think this way and and, right. and god god is in this form but god is not in this form and it, everything had this this structure to it that was so damaging for lack of a better way to put it. But in that damage has been this thing where I've, I've been able to like everything that I've gone through that, that situation made the idea of God feel more alive to me than ever before where I would. Mm -hmm. And even, even, even my sense of what that word means has 
has become so alive where if I go on a walk, I, I feel God in the wind. I see God in the trees. I, I, um, you know, f- and the pain that I had felt in, in the whole process, the healing process and what my body was going through, knowing that God felt the pain that I did. That was, that was a huge moment for me. Cause I used to think that God watches people suffer right. rather than God is actually suffering with you. And, and so that that's changed everything, but, but yeah, not a religious God. It's like a, it's a God that changes forms every day and every conversation and I more so view God as this great mystery, this, this, this thing that we'll never be able to understand that's in everything. Almost like this, it, it's a really dumb description, but it's almost like, and I'm not even a fan of this movie, so it's a weird example, but, <laughs> but like the first, the first avatar, how they talk about Awa, you know, and there's like, okay, there's the tree and like everything comes from that tree and it's all this living, breathing thing. Right, that's, right. That's how I view God is this it's like the world tree. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and, and like I said, it changes and it grows on a daily basis, but, but I just love, I love picking people's brains and, and, and seeing people's, you know, your, your concept of God or, or if God exists or if God doesn't exist or what God looks like or what God does, all that stuff totally depends also on, on your, your, where you're born, you know, like like it's very, very geographical, you know, like if you're Mm -hmm. born to a certain region, you're much more likely to view God this way and not this way. And, and I love that stuff because it's always like, it's this constant, it's this constant search to understand the great unknown, the, the, the unknowable. And in the unknowable, I feel like that's where everything happens. Hmm. So is that a way in which your sort of past and current relationships with religion and, and, and what God means to you, is that a way in which that influences your work, sort of that searching? Yeah, that, but also being at, being, being at war, um, in a lot of ways at war with, with these people that like, like say within the realm of evangelical Christianity, which I'm, I'm surrounded by in Idaho, Mm -hmm. it, it is so hard for me to to have these conversations with people. Cause I have a lot of people in, you know, like whether it's family or whether it's people down the street or whether it's people at the grocery store, you, you get into a lot of conversations with people that make you fucking mad. And it makes yeah. you, it makes you sad at the same time that they view other people the way that they view them. And, and it's such a judgmental, um, separatist mindset where there's like this you know i'm i'm up here and you're down here and and thinking that they know without a shadow of doubt who god is or what god is right that yeah it drives me crazy and, it, and it's rooted in often rooted in bigotry and and hatred and all this stuff and so that also informs the record because because being coming from that coming from that small town environment and seeing especially after after trump got elected and and the whole world just started fucking turning upside down i mean Mm -hmm. it was already pretty upside down but you know it was like that completely yeah ignited this whole thing and then how religion like the toxicity of those systems furthered that hatred and that bigotry even more um 
and then seeing it firsthand in Idaho where, where it's, it's, it's on such a, it's on such a constant, it's such a, such a constant basis. Obviously there's, there's amazing people here. So I, I don't, right, I don't right. want to, I don't want to define Idaho, you know, in, in any way as just being that, but, but you do, I will say you do get into a lot more challenging conversations with people on a regular basis somewhere like here than you do in, you know, places like LA or New York where it's or Connecticut, so to be honest. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Cause like, yeah, we're just easy to find people that like, Oh yeah, you and I, we agree. So right. Right. You have these little bubbles and, and it's, it's more of a guessing game, I guess over there. To- it is. It totally is. Cause you just mm. don't know where people stand. And so you might, you might have this conversation with someone and, and they could be a really nice person or they could come across a certain way or even, or even I hate saying it, but they could even dress a certain way. So you come to these conclusions of, of thinking that they might be of a certain political headspace. Right. And then when you find out or they might say something, you're like, what the fuck? I didn't see that coming. Like, yeah. This is getting kind of weird. I thought about that like years ago, like in college, I I, I worked at a candy store, which is mm-hmm. such a like innocent place. You know, you just sell candy. Oh, yeah. But like yeah. I literally caught this was I think Trump had been elected already, but I, I caught myself thinking like sometimes like I wonder how many like neo-Nazis I serve in a day Yeah, because you yeah, never know. Kind of and it's like and in Connecticut you know, we are pretty, we're pretty liberal. I mean, we were, we were pretty left-leaning up um, and most social things we usually are. Um, mm-hmm. But even here, it's like, maybe even because of that here, I'm like, but like, but who, who is that person? Like, would I like to have a conversation <laughs> with this person yeah. if they weren't just buying something from me? It's a, it's a strange curiosity that I feel like, I mean, maybe because I was a teenager during Obama years, but like, I feel like until Trump got elected, I didn't think about those things. Yeah, it changed everything. It changed yeah. everything dramatically. And it also changed things like Thanksgiving dinner dramatically. Oh my gosh, or, or, yeah. Or, 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 or yeah, things like it might have been easier to for everyone to hold their hold their two cents, you know, unless something really, really big came up and then right. you could share it. But but with it was like with Trump, this everything, everything shifted in such a volcanic way that you could no longer like I. I could no longer. It, it, most of the time, someone would say something, especially if it was someone that I was that I was you know it was in my orbit. It could be like, like a friend of the family, or mm-hmm. or like yeah, a relative, or someone that you're usually you might be like they might say something that's right on the cusp of like do I do I turn this into something or like right, do right. I how far do I take this? But then with Trump. Yeah, it just completely changed where I'm like, I just cannot, I can't be, I can't be around this and not, not like call people out and say something and like have those conversations. And yeah, but it's, it's exhausting too, at the same time, like I I get, I get kind of jealous of people who they're not around that because Mm -hmm. yeah, you're, you don't, there's, there's not the same kind of exhaustion, but, but in that, I think that I've grown a lot. Yeah. For sure. I mean, how could you not? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm al- I'm also a high school teacher, and I was teaching during the Trump years, and it it was a uh, it was weird. Like there was a noticeable shift in the atmosphere, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. How how was it? If you don't mind me asking, how was it? How did it take? How did it take form in in school? 
I mean, just sort of seeing, I mean, I don't mind talking about this either because I don't work at the school anymore, but okay. you know, I'm not, obviously I'm not going to name anyone, but like, yeah. So like seeing and hearing these very young, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old people like, you know, spouting, frankly, this nonsense, you uh, know what I mean? Um, and like knowing they got it from their parents yeah and it was just weird and i mean i and i don't necessarily mean that to say that like well the kids who come spouting you know leftist stuff are fine it was more just like all of a sudden these very conservative and often very bigoted things were 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 being thought and seemingly believed by these children and i was like i don't i feel like if i was a teacher 10 years ago i might not have even known this but now everyone is so vocal yeah it, it got it got hard to ignore and it was like it was almost like oppressive at points i was like oh my god like the things you guys think and the things you guys say it's like it it, it honestly like that was early in my teaching career and it it did sort of instill almost like a powerless feeling yeah because like you so want to just shake them and tell them they're wrong and they're being brainwashed or whatever ha- what you know what have you but like you, you first of all you can't and second uh-huh. of all i'm not sure it would do any good yeah, no, I agree. Well, and and a lot of that duh, is it is so tied together with religious toxicity mm-hmm. to where and the programming that comes from even the way that uh certain passages passages from the Bible are read and interpreted mm-hmm. and and that turns into this whole thing of more bigotry and right harder for people to get out of that programming. And I'm convinced that if a, a lot of these people if you were to somehow be able to push a button to to instantly deprogram everything that they all the things that they feel like they have to believe like mm-hmm. oh the bible says this thing and so i have to be i have to have this view on on whatever it is whatever whatever like quote unquote hot button issue it is if you could if you could hit that and undo it people's common sense would prevail mm-hmm. and be like, wow, I'm coming at, I'm coming at this from a place of hate and, and lack of understanding and lack of love. And yeah, common sense would prevail. Human experience would prevail. All of that would come out, but because of the baggage of how people are brought up in these systems that they grow up in, it makes it so much harder. Not to mention that religion and politics are seemingly more intertwined than they've been in decades. Totally, totally. You know, which doesn't yeah. help, which doesn't help at all. Yeah. Um, if I could, you know, I, now, I, I'd i like to now pick your brain for a minute. Um, yeah, for sure. Just with everything that's going on. I mean, what, in, in relation to this sort of, not to get too heavy, guys, but uh-huh. in relation to this sort of like cracking down on, you know, trans youth and trans humans and drag performers apparently uh, and you know all this bullshit what so you have a very different geographical perspective than i do what what's the tenor like around all this stuff in idaho well there it depends on where you are in idaho so that's okay. what's really interesting is so if you're in if if you if say you go to boise and you're in a certain corner of boise then you'll see nothing but love and nothing but acceptance and nothing but you know, all things good. But if you're in, if you even drive like, like 10 minutes another direction, it could be, it's, it's like you're in gummo. It's like you're in a documentary. And so those two 
those two things are always at war. And so it's, yeah, it, it totally depends on where, hmm. what, what region you're in, but it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking when you see some of that stuff or you see, or you drive past some of the, even some of the bumper stickers, like the, right, the outwardly sure. hateful things that people fucking put on the back of their car. Yeah. Or what? It's like, what are you trying to, like, and, and yeah, I just, I just can't even, it causes so much, so many heightened emotions that, yeah, it's, 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 it's always this growing experience in the sense of trying to, how do you, when you're around that so often, how do you view humanity the same way? And it's challenging. Yeah. And I mean, part of you, you being anyone tries to sometimes not to rationalize the, the sort of virulent other side, but kind of to, you know, cause part of you, you're curious, you're like, well, why, why in the world are you worried about this? Are you thinking about this? Are you legislating about this? Like, why is it bothering you? But then like you, there's no answer to that because yeah, anything you come up with is complete horseshit. It's illogical. Totally. And I think it's because it makes people feel uncomfortable in the sense of yeah. it goes back to the brainwashing. It goes back right. to the, it goes back to the, um, ways that people, these, 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 for you know like quote-unquote traditional ways that people were brought up and then they get to this point where things start not computing with that and i and i and i think the reason that they probably end up putting bumper stickers on their cars or being or or yelling out of their trucks or or Mm. you name it is probably because they also have that war going on inside of their brains knowing for sure that this you know that they might not even some of them some of them might not even feel the way that they're what they're what's coming out of their mouth but they don't know any other way because no, they wouldn't so, even know if, they wouldn't even yeah, know that they're just so up their own ass and it's you know I, again i'm you know i'm i i feel fortunate in a sense to live in the northeast as a gay man as a married gay man you know i mm-hmm. i worry about going elsewhere my sister is trans and she lives in new orleans and so i just like I think about this kind of stuff sometimes. I'm like, where yeah. do I want to go? Because I, especially in the past four or five and now today years, it's like, every, it's feeling so suffocating. Yeah, for in sure. A way. So I, I, I'm glad there's a part anyway of the cities still in the West, in the South that do have an openness to them. So that is nice to hear. Well, yeah. And it's, and it's also very, it's very individual too. So you could be- even outside of Boise, you could be in Idaho City or you could be in, in all these other places and and you could get into certain conversations with people where you you might go into the conversation. Again, if you have if you have any kind of of free judgment of someone based on they might be in they might be wearing hunting gear or they might be you mm-hmm. might you might think that they're gonna be a certain way and then they say something and you're like, fucking hell, like I like that, like, I feel like shit for thinking, for right. having this thought that you were a certain way and you're not that way. Right. So that's a, that's also a beautiful thing where, where people surprise you in ways of you realize, no, there is love everywhere. Yeah. You just have to, you just have to know where to look. And yeah. And Idaho, Idaho's, Idaho's gorgeous. And so that's what, mm-hmm. that's a huge reason why my wife and I live here is we have, we have nieces that live around the corner and, and it's fucking beautiful. And, and there's a lot of great things going for it, but that's not to say that there's not, there's not a lot of challenging aspects as well. Yeah. And, you know, to spin this into saying something else nice about Idaho. Cause yeah, I don't want to take 
too much of a shit on Idaho. We love Idaho. Yeah, uh, for but sure. Like, so, so then what would, what do you think a misconception is about Idaho that you'd like to debunk? Well, everyone thinks it's Iowa. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> it's definitely, it's definitely not Iowa. They, people think it's flat. People think it's people, people have no idea how beautiful it is. And I would say that it's, yeah, it's fucking stunning. There's, there's places throughout Idaho that feel like you're in the heart of Alaska and, mm-hmm. or it feels like you're on another planet. So it's, yeah. it's very, very transportive and it's very inspiring because that's where all of my, like the visual ammunition, especially for this record, it all comes from, it all comes from Idaho. So it's all, it's all the, the places I drive past all the time or walks that I go on or, or all that stuff. So yeah, it's, it's visually unbelievable. Yeah. And there's a sense to the new record and the visuals and the videos going along with it of that sort of very lived in experience that I, I don't think would feel this way if it wasn't coming from someone who is from there and stayed there. I yeah, mean, you, totally. you're a musician. You're, I mean, yes, you're an indie musician. It's not like you're Nick Jonas, but like you're a musician. You could have gone many, many places and and you still operate out of Idaho. And I feel like I can't, I can't think of anyone else who really does that, that has any sort of visibility. And I mean, so why not try to represent it in the light that, that you feel it deserves? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, it's, it's always been such a great home base in the Mm -hmm. sense of if I, especially it's, it's easy to take it for granted and take the beauty for granted and take the, the, the family and friends and all that stuff for granted until you, you leave, you know, if I go on a trip somewhere, if I, if I'm, if I'm on tour and then when I come back home, it hits you on, well, there's so much here to pull from. And, and there's such a, there's a specific, I'm convinced there's a specific heartbeat to every, every city across the world or, Mm -hmm. or, 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 um, territory in general, there's a, there's a spirit to it. And it's no different with Idaho where there's this, there's this thing where, yeah, there's just this thing to it that I, for a long time, artistically, I had steered away from. And I don't know why that is. It's probably, is probably a lack of confidence. Actually, I'm sure it was a lack of confidence because if I, if I found myself at a bar in New York and, and I tell people I'm from Idaho, there was this whole thing of people treat you like you're a farmer or they treat right. you like they or they're like, you, or they're like, Oh, thank goodness you're here now. Yeah, totally. That's, that, yeah, that's <laughs> it. That's exactly it. Where it's like, Oh wow. Like you like the, you're, yeah. Thank God you're out of that environment and you're, you're where you belong. And I, just, I that, that no, drove me crazy, but it also made me, there was this weird shame almost that came, that came with home until I grew up enough to realize like, what the, what the fuck am I doing? Because there, this is my home and these are my, these are the, the you know, this is my day to day. And, and yeah. to not, to not steer into that is a tragedy. So this was, this was the first time that my, my eyes were really open to what it is that I'm, what it is that I live in and how it's viewed by, by, by other people around the world could be, the more I noticed that the more that I had talked about Idaho or, or people had seen certain pictures mm-hmm. back even years ago of like, okay, where are you from? Like what, what's your neighborhood look like? All that. 
it was it was interesting to people and so that was a new concept for me too because for me it was it was it was home so i didn't think anything of it but there's yeah it's it's unlike a lot of places around the world well yeah there's kind of an alien quality to it to Uh people like over where i am i mean i've never been to i gotta get to idaho i've never been to idaho yeah yeah i know nothing about it there's a lot of goodness here yeah um what color is your hair right now my color is natural okay it's just yeah it's dark my my natural hair color is actually way darker than a lot of people realize well it's because in my mind you're always like pink or green yeah totally totally yeah i haven't dyed it in a minute okay (laughs) i dyed it for the there's gonna be a music video coming out for a prize fighter again i don't know when this when this will come out but there's a music video coming out for the track prize fighter and i had dyed i bleached it for that Mm -hmm which was that was like a month ago but i now it's now it's back to normal it's back all right all right well your new record that we've talked a lot about even though you were thinking you wouldn't be able to (laughs) heaven is a junkyard comes out june 9th uh on fat possum shout out to fat possum too by the way you've been with them since the beginning Oh, they're the best Um, like that's so cool that you kind of abandoned youth lagoon and then came back and they were like yeah okay here here you go (laughs) Well, and I was with them the whole time. So even yeah. even Mulberry Violence, that was done. I had I had done a little a little imprint, but it was through Fat Possum. So right. so okay. even that was technically it was all through Fat Possum. Yeah. You know, so they yeah, I just my 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 whole thing that's the most important with in terms of team the team that I surround myself with is people that they they're always in your corner and fat possum yeah, they've always just, no matter what tangent or train I'm on, they're on it too. And that's not easy to find, especially the way that I work musically, because my my whole thing is I'll just pursue whatever my brain has to pursue. Mm-hmm. There no questions asked. And so if no one's on that train but me and Fat Possum or who else is, <laughs> you know, like on the team, but even if it's just me that train is going to leave the station because it has to, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, it's, it's, that's just how I've always worked. So I've never, I've never, I've never ever and never will be someone who caters to other people and does things, um, anything outside of on my own terms. And so that possum has always been nothing but supportive and nothing but always right there by my side. So huge shout out to that possum. Yeah. Shout out to that possum. Uh, thank you, Trevor, very much for this hour of your time. I had quite a pleasure speaking with you. Oh, thank you, Jeremy. I feel the same way. Thanks. And I look forward to people hearing the record. It's it's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. All right. You too. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs>